Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's see a friend and welcome to the world transformed. My name is Phil Bowermaster and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. And, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to talk some UFOs. Maybe uh, uh, maybe just uh, debunk them or something. What, what, what are you up for this evening? Oh, well, no. I'm going to show that they're real, actually, as a matter of fact. Uh, de- debunk? <laughs> Uh, well, for one thing, you've jumped you've jumped straight to the UFO term. Where, whereas people who clicked on the show here, they they think we're going to talk about strange new worlds and the return of the Foo Fighters. They're probably thinking, what is that? A new tour for the band, right? The band was named after uh, Nazi era UFOs, World War II era UFOs in in Europe. World and, War II uh, era UFOs, and we're going to get to those in just a bit. And we're going to get to UFOs in just a bit. But hey, before we get into what sounds like is going to be a debate about whether UFOs are real. Let's talk a little stuff that we know actually is real, a little space news that is real, because this is kind of the coming and going approach to approach to life on other worlds, okay? So are they out there and we're going to find them, or are they coming here, okay? So the Strange New Worlds and Return of the Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters and them coming here, Strange New Worlds is us finding them out there. Could there be life, this newfound super-Earth, may be habitable. This is, this is a new story from just this week, and we got a, a new exoplanet looking Earth-like, and this one's only about 31 light years from Earth, believed to be about twice the size of the Earth and six times more massive, so it's got a kind of a Krypton feel to it for any of the inhabitants there. They, they're they're going to be growing up under massive gravity, but it's right, right, in, that, right in that star's habitable zone, so... It could yeah. have water on its surface. This is a planet. Well, that... it's in the outer edge of the uh, habitable zone, so I, I would, I would guess that that would mean that it would probably be just slightly cooler than than Earth. Earth is actually on the inside edge of our star's habitable zone. We're almost, right. uh, we're almost in a place that would be too hot, and uh, so yeah, this would be on the outer edge of that. So it'd probably be a little bit of a colder planet, and uh, like you say, so much gravity that. Uh, it, you know, one would wonder if uh, they would ever be able to, to be the UFOs, right? Uh, how, how you get off your home world if, uh, you know, if you have that as, a, a, as an initial issue, right? You've got so much gravity, you can't, you can't break that, that gravity well. So, Well, maybe that's better. That's what we want. We, want. we want aliens waiting for us to come see them, right? I mean, because we'll get to the other, we'll, we'll get to the alternative here in a moment. And that's better. I, I'd rather have aliens on these big heavy planets where they don't where they don't leave and we can fly the starship enterprise over to them and break the prime directive <laughs> exactly. and get all mixed up in their politics and that, that, that kind this of is stuff. A, here, here's a funny thing phil it's a, it's a neighboring world basically it's only 31 
or so light years away. And we, we still just have letter designations for it. This is DJ357D. We're really going to have to get around to actually giving these, these places real names, aren't we? Well, we are going to have to. Now, I mean, to me that suggests there must be a GJ357A through C at least. But they right, right. That, that maybe a, uh, or maybe they're just leaving, <laughs> leaving room in the uh, address sequence to uh, to add those planets were they to discover that there's four planets closer, right? Or let's see, three planets closer. <laughs> three Excuse planets. Me. I, had, I had to actually uh, A is one. You know, I had to count it out. This is uh, would be the fourth planet if uh, if that if that's the case. But maybe they've got three other planets there, or, or maybe they don't. Uh, but uh, that, they got room. You raise a great. You raise a great issue there, Stephen, which is what happens when – this, this reminds me so much. I'm sorry. Let's just totally geek out here for a moment of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. This is SETI Alpha 5, right, where they think they're <laughs> – yeah. right? uh, we, we put you on SETI Alpha 5, not SETI Alpha 6. This is – yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's exactly right. This isn't SETI Alpha 6. So what happens when you you've got a whole star system solar system mapped out and go okay so here's planet A here's planet B here's planet C and then you find a planet between B and C then you, you have to go C one or C two yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's 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 confusing stuff that's that's hard stuff but if we give them names then we don't have to worry about that so exactly. another good reason to come up with names but naming is not going to be an easy thing to do. I want to reference this next story. The hunt is on for Alpha Centauri's planets. Listen to this. This is a story we've been tracking over the years anyway. On June 13th, NASA's official tally of exoplanets, planets beyond our solar system, shot past 4,000. So you got 4,000 names for, for these planets? That's the, that's the problem. We're, we're well, we're, we're, we're going to have to name them like streets of a city. There's a Maple Drive in many, many different cities. There might be planet Maple in many solar systems. Uh, it's just <laughs> we're, we're, there's going to be some repetition, no doubt, when we actually are out there exploring them. But, I mean, you and I both can remember well when, there, when that number 4,000 was not even one. Right, I mean the first. That's right. First ex right. exoplanet. I think I think the first exoplanet was in the nineties, right? Yes. I mean, they, they, as late as the as early as the late eighties, they were identifying brown dwarfs, and they were saying, "Hey, there could be something here. There's probably a planet here." But I mean, they didn't really narrow any down until the until the late nineties, and, and the age of truly discovering exoplanets has been, what, the past 15 years, right? It's, it's, right, right. You know, I, if somebody in 100 years listening to this recording would start laughing and saying 4,000. You know, the age of uh, exoplanets is now, you know, is what they would yeah. say. Uh, and, and they'll be right, because they'll probably yeah. know mil of millions of planets, literally millions of planets by then, if not, if not more than that. But right. what we do know now is so much more information than we had initially. The, the, the first big step was, ah, that's it. There's really a planet there. We see this ripple, and there's definitely a planet. Now we know some things about them. We know where they're orbiting. We have some idea of what they're composed of. We have some idea of what size they are. So we're, we're, we're starting to look at exoplanets. We're saying, okay, we're looking for the ones that are Earth-like because we figure those are where the action is. In this solar system, as far as we know, Earth is where the action is. And if, if there's right. anything big going on elsewhere, they're 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 keeping it 
under wraps. They're 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 not advertising. So elsewhere in the in the galaxy, it only makes sense. We're looking for Earth-like planets, and so here we've got this one with the with the long string of letters and numbers, which is its name. And this story in Scientific American talking about looking for planets in Alpha Centauri. Why? Well, whereas the one we were just talking about is 31 light years away, Alpha Centauri is only about four light years away. And of course, we know, we talked about on the show, Proxima Centauri, which is the third star in that binary system with a third star, however you want to describe Alpha Centauri. Trinary, I guess. Trinary, I suppose. Proxima has an Earth-like planet, Earth-sized, roughly, planet orbiting it. We discovered that about a year ago, I guess, which is exciting. But Proxima is a dwarf star, and we don't know if there could be... We we have no idea, really, what the conditions will be like on a planet orbiting a dwarf star. But we know that it's sufficiently different from a star like the Sun that we can't suppose too much about what's going on there. With a dwarf star, you have the habitable zone is so close to the dwarf star that it's thought that a planet in that habitable zone would be locked to that star. Yeah. In other words, showing the same side of itself to the star at all times, the way the moon does. We only see one side of the moon because it's tidally locked to the Earth so that we only see one side of it. So what, is, what, is, uh, what does life look like? One part of the planet would be too too hot, right? And yeah. And there might be a ring of habitability in the twilight edge of such a planet. The far side of the planet would be cold, be right. frozen, and, the, and then the, uh, baked in the middle. And maybe just this ring, it could be it could be lived uh, lived at. But still, it's exciting, isn't it? So that something so close. Well, it's exciting that there's a planet there. And what's really going to be exciting is if they find something around Alpha Centauri A or B, if if find an Earth-like planet there because those stars are pretty sun-like. And not only are they not only are they pretty similar to the sun, they're a bit older. They're about 10% older. So as much time as we've had to develop life and to develop civilization, any planet orbiting one of the, one of the Alpha Centauri stars has had even more time. It's our next-door neighbor, and wouldn't it be cool if something is happening there? Now, the problem is it's been very hard. I'm reminded of the Hitchhiker's Guide. You recall uh, that, uh, our, that, that Earth noticed that, uh, that they were going to be destroyed. It was posted on the bulletin board in, at Alpha Centauri. And That's you can't right. be bothered <laughs> to, to go down to your local office to find out these things. Then you deserve to be destroyed. It was just over in Alpha Centauri. So what's your excuse for not going to find out? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, and that will be our impetus, I think, for star travel, right? For a, an actual interstellar probe or maybe voyage one of these days will be if we find something really interesting there. It's like, well, that's a, don't yeah. get me wrong, very, very long distance, but by galactic standards, it's as close as you can get and worth going to have a look for sure. So the Scientific American article explains why it's hard to find those planets and why it might be getting easier here over the next few months. So we're going to be watching this space very carefully. Here's hoping they find they find some interesting planets around those other two stars in Alpha Centauri. Although, to your point, Stephen, it might be worth taking a trip just to see that star around Proxima Centauri. Actually, it'd be oh, a yeah. trip anyway. Oh, yeah. There are some things in the works. I, one of the more interesting things, Phil, and we, we mentioned in this show probably about a year, year and a half ago, something like that, that 
uh, one of these programs is to send like basically a swarm of little little probes, very tiny probes, so that if a fraction of your probes get destroyed, it's okay. Uh, the mission can still be done, and these things can radio back what they find when they get to the neighboring star system. They're, they're, they, these things would be pushed by laser to get to a substantial fraction of uh, the speed of light, and so it'd be about a 20-year journey, apparently. But that's the thinking, and would require the development of all kinds of technology we don't currently have. But apparently, there's there's no real reason it couldn't be done. So there's really smart people thinking about things like that. It is worth doing. Think about it. If we yep. if we start if we launch them tomorrow, take 20 years to get there, four years to get the signal back. Right. You know, as soon as we start that image, as soon as we start that project, we're 24 years out from seeing what's going on in another star system. That's exciting. That's worth, yeah. That is definitely worth doing. I, I, I hope they get those underway. And in fact, those programs are referenced in this story in the Scientific American. So highly recommended reading there. Think about the exoplanets. And let's think about representative technology or people from Earth going to other planets. But now let's flip it around and talk about we are not alone, Stephen. Okay? If there's aliens in Alpha Centauri, they're not alone. And they're going to they're gonna find, find out eventually when we come see them. But here we've got snake-like UFOs seen across the U.S., I'm going to tell you, that's the first I've heard of this. I, had, I didn't know we had snake-like UFOs uh, being seen across the U.S. Could be military craft used by Space Force. So we know we've got this new up-and-coming branch of the military, the Space Force, and they've already got some very interesting craft potentially that they're, that they're flying out there. Snake-like UFOs, what do, what do we know about this? Well, they're weird, and apparently it, it, it might be multiple crafts that fly in kind of weird patterns or whatever, they in weird formations. Don't know a whole lot about them, do we, Phil? I would say that if they turn out to be military aircraft, experimental aircraft, that would not be the first time that experimental aircraft has been thought of to be UFOs. The SR-71 Blackbird, when it was being flown secretly, would be reported uh, regularly as a UFO, things like that. It's, it's happened many times. It's a pretty common pattern. If you follow the link here, by the way, you should, you should definitely check out this snake-like UFO. It, uh, I would almost consider it more of a worm-like UFO, something that's like a snake is like a worm, I suppose. But that, that is a weird thing to see up in the sky. And if that is some kind of experimental craft, it looks very different from anything that we've that we've seen in our experience. But, but what you have to remember is when you see something like this, you see this blob of light, you're not seeing everything, right? Right. What you, what you might be seeing is a swarm of smaller craft. You might be seeing just one, one piece of it, something like Seems that. Seems like about hard. a year ago, Phil, we were talking about the swarms of drones, drone swarms being tested by the military. So that it could easily be something like that, easily. So. And it seems, obviously most likely that it's something along those lines. And to your point, this, is, this has happened before. People have looked out in the night sky or even the daytime sky, and they've seen mysterious objects, and it's turned out that it was experimental military aircraft or just aircraft that, that we weren't familiar with yet. We know that when the Department of Defense was developing the B-1 bomber, that there were sightings of that um, as a UFO for years leading up to it finally being announced. Right. Stealth, the stealth bomber that looked different from every other aircraft. So it's, it's been a fairly common occurrence throughout the history of, of aviation. And the whole idea of UFOs, when you, when you take that abbreviation and really read it out, what's it mean? Unidentified flying objects. Stuff in the sky, and we don't know what it is. 
right? So we look at something and we say, wow, that is the weirdest thing ever. But it doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, there's not any particularly good reason to believe that it's an alien spacecraft. And uh, I, I think that's kind of what this second story that you listed here, a trio of ASU, uh, it's Arizona State, I suppose, uh, ASU experts give their thoughts on recent UFO reports. This is interesting because it ties into something we haven't actually had a chance to talk about since we were on hiatus. We haven't talked about the big kind of reveal about UFOs, which occurred a little bit earlier in the summer around these kind of verified, confirmed sightings of UFOs on naval ships and by Navy aircraft that occurred in 2014 and 2015. This is kind of a big story. And it appears to be just the tip of the iceberg of a bunch more data that's going to be coming out, a bunch more information about people seeing UFOs and it not simply being dismissed, right? I, I guess that's kind of the difference. The government is, is saying, yeah, well, something's going on here. These guys are definitely, definitely seeing something. So we've got this response to that from these three academics. And one of them is really good. Yeah. The guy talks about how easy it is to get confused about what you're seeing in the night sky. Right. You will see something, uh, even an experienced pilot will see Venus right on the horizon. And because it's the way uh, it's shining through the atmosphere, it, it can flash red and green, just like the uh, lights of an airplane. That is often confused by experienced pilots. So imagine somebody that doesn't have the experience and they see something strange. All of a sudden, it's ET coming, right? It's, uh, but no, it's hardly ever ET, is it, Phil? <laughs> it's usually uh, something quite explainable. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. What's interesting is I read that explanation. I thought, well, there you go. You know, it's the moon. It's Venus. It's swamp gas. It's ball lightning. You know, all the explanations that you've read through the years. But then if you go back and revisit this story, these pilots talking about objects flying at hypersonic speeds at altitude up to 30,000 feet, uh, making these odd banks and odd twists and odd turns and things like that. These guys aren't just seeing Venus, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the reason that this is kind of being acknowledged is they're seeing something, not the full moon. It's not Venus. And it's not something else. Nor are these crackpots either. These are professional pilots and, and military people and things like that. The crackpot vibe is you're, you're past that at this point. You're, you're there, not, there's you're not there's no crackpot thing going on there and no no motivation to try to be famous or any of that kind of stuff either. They're just because they're, they're just filing reports on their on their ship. But but this this quote was interesting because I think it's I think it's interesting when you say, look, it's not just the moon. This was no boating accident, right? But, but when you read this, none of the pilots suggest that these perplexing UFOs represent an extraterrestrial invasion, right? That's the thing. They're all saying, I don't know what this is, but, but none of them are saying that they think they're alien spacecraft. We civilians out here in the world, right? Uh, UFO, that's, that's always, that's always a little dream then. UFO, unidentified flying object. It can it very easily could be of earthly origin. It's just something we don't know what is. If you follow the history of this, this has been going on for a long time, and that's where we get the yeah. Foo Fighters. What were the mysterious Foo Fighters cited by World War II night flyers? And follow the link, read this story, but there was one particular set of sightings of these over the Rhine Valley uh, in the late days of World War II, and there's a really good account of one of these pilots encountering these odd lights coming up close, flying with them, flying in formation, and once again doing things that it would seem no aircraft could possibly do. Well, there were numerous Foo Fighter 
the, the original Foo Fighters uh, sightings, but also there were just lots of these kinds of sightings all through World War II. We had a lot of birds in the air at that time, and a lot of people seeing these strange things has been going on for a very long time. What is it? Well, for the current Navy sightings, one of the explanations is this is technology that the government's working on that hasn't been acknowledged yet. This is uh, technology from another country that is stealth technology or that they're not revealing what it is. And the popular theory at the time, back in World War II, these were secret Nazi weapons. Maybe, but it's interesting that, you know, the Nazis were working on stuff back then that we still don't know what it is, you know, 70 years <laughs> Well, if they, were, if they were secret Nazi weapons, then, uh, then, then our Germans, and we got the best Germans, right, Bill? Maybe we didn't get the UFO Germans. Uh, that uh, <laughs> the, 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 We didn't get the Foo Fighter Germans. Uh, we didn't get whatever. the Foo Fighter Germans because yeah. they didn't tell us how to do that, right? They told us how to get to the moon, but they didn't tell us how to make these orange lights fly in formation and what they were doing. It's the almost logic-defying side of it that is frustrating to people. And, of course, UFO is one term. Flying saucer is another. And when you think flying saucer, then you're closer to saying, alien spacecraft. And there have been sightings for a long time of craft. And, you know, there's Roswell, and, and then there's people who say that they've actually had encounters with aliens. And so there's this, this whole field of, of this stuff going on. But it all goes back to people seeing things in the sky. And I think the problem we run into is we have to classify it. We look at it and we say, well, we've got to say what it is, right? So... Yeah, and and unfortunately, our our options now are alien spacecraft or not alien spacecraft, which means find something as mundane as possible, right? So it's either an alien spacecraft or it's uh, you're just mistaken, right? You just you don't you don't know what you're seeing, and with the third possibility being uh, somebody else's space, uh, somebody else's aircraft. Those are kind of the three possibilities. Well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna leave it by saying uh, there's a fourth possibility, and I'm not gonna define it, but it's something else. Right, and I think these are something else. I think that it's not the moon, it's not Venus, it's not ball lightning, it's not somebody's experimental craft, and it's probably not alien spacecraft either. It's something that we don't know what it is yet, and that's frustrating. For are, are you so, suggesting it's a uh, a natural phenomenon that we don't quite have a handle on? Um, probably, but yeah. I'm not even going that far. I'm saying we just don't know. I'm saying that, that not knowing is, is frustrating, so we try to, you know, we're pattern recognizers and we try to make sense of these things, but that maybe the, the key word really is unidentified. There's weird right. stuff going on right. in the sky. We'd like to know what it is, and we still don't know. With UFOs, it's best to employ Occam's razor is the way I think about these things, is that the simplest explanation and the, the explanation that requires the fewest out-there uh, assumptions uh, is often the correct one. So it, so many, so many times it turns out to be some celestial object uh, that's shining through the atmosphere in some way that's a little unusual, and so we don't we don't quite recognize it as what it is, and and so we report as UFOs, really mundane things like Venus and 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 the Moon and even Jupiter and things like that. That's interesting, but some of these other things uh, don't really fall into that. Of course, there's the crackpots. If you take away the things that are mundane sightings of the moon, the just weird atmospheric stuff going on, and you take out the crackpot stuff, I think you probably removed 90% of the you know, UFO sightings. And uh, what's left, though, could be very interesting. 
It's still mm-hmm. very strange. It, by, by trying to make it completely mundane, I think you'll lose the fact that there's something weird going on, something that we don't, that we don't know what it is. And, well, you mentioned yeah. a couple of times ball lightning. That's pretty weird yeah. stuff. Uh, well, that that's weird. Yeah. Ball lightning, I guess, if we understand ball lightning correctly, and it's pretty mysterious itself, it's, it's, a, it's a plasma, the atmospheric discharge of plasma, which is different from regular lightning, right? And it can do all kinds of weird things, apparently. And it, they fly around in erratic ways and all kinds of Who knows? It could be stuff we just don't completely understand yet that's a completely unnatural phenomenon. We don't. And because of that, because I don't know, because I'm saying I really don't know. And this is actually yeah. an agreement with one of the three ASU professors linked in, the, linked in the earlier story. I'm not ruling out alien spacecraft. But I think we did a show years ago called Aliens Are Stupid, right? And we just talked about if it were alien spacecraft, what is their point? What are they doing? What? <laughs> you know, all that to say is this is not how I would visit another planet, okay? This is not the way I would. We, we probably should explain to them that uh, probing of various or- orifices is just not friendly. You know, that's right. not how you say hello. Well, uh, leave our cattle alone for crying out loud. I mean, here's yeah. the thing. I've been, that's right. Stop stomping uh, and making weird patterns and stomping on our grain out in our fields. You know, that's just my head. I've been listening <laughs> to The 37th Parallel by Ben Mesrich. Um, he, he wrote the, the social network and uh, other, other bestsellers. This, this is a book about, it's called The Secret Truth Behind America's UFO Highway. I won't get into all the details of what goes on in the book, but it involves a Colorado deputy sheriff who's done his own investigation into UFOs over the past 30 years. And it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. I'm reading it with a very jaundiced, skeptical eye. And as entertaining as I find this kind of stuff, I, I keep my distance. But I got to tell you, Stephen, and check the book out. I am the least likely person in the world to think all this stuff is for real and just to buy into it immediately. But this right. book has got me about about halfway convinced on cattle mutilation of all things. Okay, so I will I will leave it with that. There's weird stuff that happens in the world. I don't know what that phenomenon is. <laughs> But it's something very, very, very strange. And well, um, you know, ET, e- if you're monitoring this show, if you want a steak, we'll fix you a steak. Show up, you know, we'll have a barbecue. It'd be great. Um, you are not even have... eating the right parts of the cow. Let me tell you, this is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you I don't know you what got it all wrong. We will show you. Hey, we're natives to this planet. We know what's good, and uh, we'll we'll fix it right for you. So. We we know how to do this. Absolutely, we will set you up. Come any Saturday night. I'm always almost always making steaks. Come on by, and we'll uh, we'll 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 get you going. And we were talking before the show, Stephen, that it used to be that I was Scully and you were Mulder. I think maybe we're slowly over time. We're transitioning between those. Two yeah, it things. could be. It could be that uh, yeah, I'm 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 a little bit more of a skeptic than you are these days, Phil, and uh, that's that's interesting because ten years ago it was it, it was it was the other way. So yeah, I, I'm I'm get, I'm buying into the I'm not buying into I'm taking a new look at some of this spooky stuff. I I don't think in the end we're going to find aliens, but I think in the end we are going to find something very interesting, and it's worth continuing to look at. And with that, I will say, Stephen, hey, it's great talking with you. It's great having you all with us. We are going to be back very soon with another brand new show. And until next time, let's just see.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.